that, you know, kids are kids and, you know, it doesn't matter if they struggle at math or if they have a limp or they wear glasses or whatever it is. They're just a bunch of kids and they all fit in the same category of kids. Um, and um, I think in this world, we, we worry too much about differences. Uh, we compare ourselves too much to, and create differences. And I want kids just to understand that, you know, it's okay to be different because everybody is different. Everybody is different in their own way. You're listening to Sandra Wilson, a children's book author from Ontario, Canada, discussing her latest project, The Kindness Kangaroo Project. She's our guest today on the podcast. Sandra, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Randy. I'm glad to be here. And how's the weather today out in Ontario? Uh, Well, the sun is shining, which is nice. Uh, It's still cold and uh, blowing snow here and there. (laughs) Sounds like Canada. Yes, it is. Very much Canada. (laughs) So, Sandra, before we get started, I'd like to take a moment and thank you publicly. Um, When I first had the idea for this podcast, um, I put messages out there on Facebook asking if anybody would like to become a a guest on the show, and you were the very first person to respond as a yes. So for that, I want to say thank you. Oh, yeah, you're most welcome. I enjoy talking about myself. (laughs) And uh, thanks for being my very first guest here on the podcast. Oh, that's very exciting. I'm honored. So Sandra, how did you come up with the idea for the Kindness Kangaroo Project? Well, I had written some children's books before. um, And so ideas tend to swirl around in my head. And I was in a store and uh, there was a man at the cash that was trying to get a discount. And what he was buying didn't qualify for the discount. And he was getting annoyed about that. And his voice was getting louder and louder. Um, which was upsetting me as well as the cashier and all the people around. And I thought of the coupon I had in my purse that would actually give him a discount, not the one he wanted, but a discount. And I pulled it out and I gave it to him and uh, he got his discount. He calmed down and he thanked me for my kindness. And then as I was driving home, I felt like I had something in my pouch that I could give in kindness, just like a kangaroo might. And then by the time I got home, half the story of kindness kangaroo had been written in my head. Did you ever keep in contact with the uh, the gentleman? No, actually, I did talk to the cashiers the next time I was in, and they said that he was quite frequently in there and quite frequently annoyed about how things worked for him. So I thought maybe I gave him a little bit of light in the day, and maybe he'd give the cashiers a bit of a break next time he's in. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like you uh, definitely lightened his day, that's for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we'll get into the details of the Kindness Kangaroo Project in a little bit. But first, I wanted to talk about your story growing up. So were you always into creative writing or did it develop later on? Um, I was always a writer. I wrote a lot of poetry uh, when when my emotions were a little too much to handle. My father was a police officer, so there was a lot of times I was afraid that he wouldn't come home. Um, and so I'd write that down in, in poems, and, and um, sometimes I was mad at my brother. So, you know, it was safer to write it down in a poem and get the emotions out that way because he could easily beat me up in a fight, so I wasn't going to try to go there. Um, so I did write a lot, and um, that was the days before computers. And uh, when we finally did get a computer when I was in high school, I would type my poems into the computer, but I wasn't quite sure how they saved or where they saved. They'd often get lost on me. 
my dad would find them and he'd read them and he encouraged me to continue writing and to go to school to pursue a writing career. Awesome. Do you still have those, uh, those writings that you had done back in, back in those days? Yes, actually. Well, one of the stories I wrote for my best friend at the time, who is still a very good friend of mine still today. Um, and I think I was about 13 or 14 and I wrote her a story called friends, a cat and mouse tale. And it was just a little short rhyming story about a mouse and a cat who were friends and it didn't matter what they looked like, that they, you know, were always friends. And when I, um, when my kids grew up and, and sort of became a little bit more independent and I had more time for my things, I actually published that book. I self-published it. And when she came to the book launch, she brought that original book that I had written her and drawn the little pictures for her and stuff like that. So it was the really, really cool thing to see uh, this trip back into what I used to do and what I do now. And it kind of all came full circle. But uh, I have a lot of files of written things. So... <laughs> Wow, that's really nice. Mm -hmm. it, it was very special that she had saved it um, because, you know, um, you know, we're both grandmas now. So, you know, that's a big jump from being teenagers. <laughs> yeah, that's really special. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that your dad encouraged you to go on to college. Where did you end up going to college? Uh, I went to Wilfrid Laurier University, which is in Kitchener. Um, and so I grew up in a small town. I moved to Kitchener to go to university. Um, and that's actually where I met my husband, so that's where we stayed. Um, I studied uh, language and rhetoric, which was the writing course that they offered. Um, and I also had um, studied, I was also studying in, uh, history, so I had a, a double degree that I was working on. Um, and it actually worked really well, because in history you had to write a lot of essays, and in English they taught you how to write a lot without actually saying anything. <laughs> that's the rhetoric. So it worked out pretty well for me. Absolutely. And... Um, I'm assuming with the history, it's Canadian history? Um, I focused on Canadian history pre-Confederation, so a lot of it was natives, pioneers, things like that. Um, but we had to take European history and you had to take American Revolution. So there was a lot of stuff I had to study um, in order to get my uh, degree. Um, but um, I really enjoy history. I like to have a bit of a twist in history, so I will often include history in, uh, in things that I do. Um, the book... My first book, Ghosts on the Soccer Field, uh, was a little chapter book for kids, and it included a lot of history from the War of 1812, um, and, uh, which was U.S. and Canada, and, uh, or Britain and U.S. <laughs> we were Britain at the time. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I try to include the history because I want to make history fun for kids because a lot of kids don't enjoy it. So I try to find fun things to write about um, historic as well so that, uh, you know, like spies or, uh, you know, um, pirates, things like that to make history interesting. Yeah, historical fiction is a lot of fun. Uh, that's actually how I got started in the creative writing as well as writing about a historical event. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think I think it's great. And I think it's, it's fun to put a little bit of uh, extra into the story to make it fiction. But I figured if you're going to put history in there, it might be might as well be accurate, because that's how kids are going to learn. So um yeah, so I, I really like that aspect of it. I don't write a lot of that in my children's stories, um, but I previously, I was writing unit studies, uh, so like lessons and curriculum for kids to follow, and so that, that most of those are history. Excellent. So as a kid, did you have any authors that you admired? Well, funny enough, it was <laughs> the, the whole part of uh, 
me becoming a storyteller happened when I was about grade four and we had somebody come into the school. I don't know who this man was. He was some sort of storyteller. I'm sure he was somebody with a name, but I was in grade four and I don't remember what it was. And what he did was he, he spoke about, he did Robert Service uh, poetry, which Robert Service was a, a Northern Canadian poet. And he wrote things like the shooting of Dan McGrew and the cremation of Sam McGee. So they weren't your typical nice poems. <laughs> they talked about, you know, cremating people and things like that. But the man that did it was so animated in how he told these stories. I was so excited about storytelling. And so that kind of started it for me. Now, I do still have the shooting of Dan McGrew and the cremation of Sam McGee in my library. Because to me, that was the, you know, those introductions to Robert Service was kind of the first thing that started my whole love of stories. Yeah, that sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Did you ever try to keep in touch with him or was it just like a passing in the, in the night? Yeah, it, it was. And I, you know, I think it's only as I got older and thought back of hmm, where did this all start that I realized that that kind of was the spark. And so I wish I'd at the time thought this is important. I should write his name down, <laughs> but, but I didn't, um, you know, but I mean, I also, you know, I, I worked in a bookstore when I was in high school um, and uh, then I uh, worked in a bookstore again when I was in university. And so I surrounded myself with books quite a lot. So I think it was just a natural flow for me to, you know, read them, write them, enjoy them. Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds good. So Sandra, tell me about your writing routine. Do you like coffee shops, quiet living room? How do you like to write? (laughs) Well, um, for the longest time, I didn't do a lot of writing because I did raise my kids um, and I homeschooled them. So they stayed with me 24 hours a day and uh, until they went to college. (laughs) So my life was very busy. And uh, so I didn't have much of a writing routine. Now, Recently, I've uh, because I've been writing uh, the new project, I have what I call a nest chair, and it's a great big round chair that's full of pillows that I can just kind of curl up in, and that's where I usually sit and write for some reason. <laughs> that's the part I like. Although, as with Kindness Kangaroo, a lot of my stories have to come to me when I'm driving, so I'm probably going to have to get a tape recorder so that I can actually, you know, start dictating to myself some of the stories that pop into my head on on traveling trips because that seems to be I I guess when it's just a calm quiet place then my mind starts to wander to those things yep yep with uh technology these days it makes it easier to to do the voice to to text which is always a good thing yes yes I used to actually call friends and say can you write this down for me (laughs) (laughs) But I do carry notepad with me where I just don't always have to pull over to um, to do things, uh, to do that. So um, sometimes I think I just better get something I can record with. <laughs> so in your nest, do you have music playing in the background or do you like to keep it quiet? Um, I do sometimes. I do often have um, either the TV on or the music on. And um, I'm a very audio person. So that basically just gives me a baseline for me to focus so it kind of eliminates distractions for me to focus. Now, it sounds like music or TV would be a distraction, but it's more of the white noise that I use so that I don't get distracted by the cars outside or, you know, the people talking in the other room or things like that. So it's sort of my baseline noise. Yep, that um, makes a lot of sense. Or, like, or if I'm in a library and there's like no background noise. I, I like the background noise. If it's really quiet, I do have a hard time focusing. Yep, that makes sense. So what inspires you to continue writing? Well, I've been working with kids for over 35 years. So I've done 
guiding and scouting and I've done um, tutoring and homeschooling and teaching. And so I've, I've spent a lot of time with kids and I so enjoy listening to them. And so I started writing ideas that they sort of have because I so enjoy their stories. And so I wanted to sort of honor them and create stories that because they tell me stories and I appreciate that. So I want to tell them stories too. Yeah, that back and forth really makes for a good story. So did you have any mentors that helped you along your writing journey? Um, well, I took some uh, correspondence courses in writing when my kids were little, and I thought I had lots of time to write. <laughs> um, but uh, so they have, uh, they have teachers that would you know, write your work, comment on your assignments and things like that. And so I think a lot of that helped, and I still have a lot of that. I still look back on that and read their comments and, and see if I can change you know I mean a lot of assignments get pushed away and tucked away and you don't pull them out again but actually the ghosts on the soccer field my first chapter book was one of my assignments it started as an assignment and so when I was started to decide to put it out there as a book I dug out those assignments and I dug out the information those teachers had given me and I used all that in, in the revising and, and stuff so I guess they were was kind of my mentors that makes sense and uh, yeah. these correspondence courses, were these the same universe, from the same university that uh, you went to? No, actually, it was the uh, Institute of Children's Literature. Okay, great. Uh, Connecticut, I think. Down here in the States. Yeah, it was, it was American-influenced. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the Kindness Kangaroo Project. Okay. Uh, tell me about the premise of this project and what it's all about. Okay, so the idea for Kindness Kangaroo, which we talked about, so then I started writing this book, Kindness Kangaroo, and I felt that if I was going to describe kindness for children, I needed to know what children thought kindness meant. So I went into a classroom of kindergarten kids because they were doing career day, and I was one of their careers, so a writer as a, as a career. Um, and so while I was there and explained my writing and, you know, the things I do and, and answered their job-related questions, then I started asking them about kindness and what kindness meant to them, and I got a bunch of ideas from them that helped me write my book. Then when I thought, well, I need to illustrate this book because I can't draw and uh, my previous books, I've had children draw for me because I just think it's great including them in the process. So then I thought, well, why don't I get these kindergarten kids to draw the pictures for this book for me? And so they did. Meanwhile, I thought of other animals that could be part of the project, like Bravo Bear and Anxious Alligator. And pretty soon I had a whole alphabet of animals that had corresponding emotions. And then I thought, well, for each of these books, why don't I go into a classroom and get ideas to write the story and then also give them the story back and they can illustrate it. So it became a full project that I'm going to go into 26 different classrooms, talk to kids about 26 different books, and write those stories, send it back to the class, have them draw the pictures, and then I'm going to put it into a book. Then I go back to the school and have, you know, sort of a fanfare of here's the book launch and here's the book and here's all the kids that helped create it. So I share my fame with them, apparently, because they all think they're being going to be famous. So I hope they take me with them. <laughs> that's that is really great um what a great idea to get children involved like that uh do you find that they really enjoy putting together the illustrations for these books i'm yes i i find there's very different rewarding aspects of it um so i have a different child do the front cover usually that's the one that invites me into the classroom so it's 
you know, friends, kids, or, you know, people I've been connected with, um, simply so that I have a way of picking a front cover without looking at 26 pictures and going, well, which one am I supposed to use? Um, so I, I go in with that. And so um, the the pride that they have to display, they all take a picture of it for me. So I can post that on the website and, and, and the, the pride that they have of this accomplishment of drawing. And then when I go back into the school and then the kids are saying, Hey, that's my drawing. And that's, you know, the big smiles on their faces and just to be part of it, they, they appreciate it so much. And, um, they feel so accomplished. And to me, I think it's so empowering for them, which kids all need to have, you know, everybody needs a stating ovation in their life, right? To feel that appreciation. And so I'm hoping that's what they're feeling. They're feeling that their work is appreciated and what they do is important. And that's really what I'm trying to do for them. Um, but they actually do more for me by, you know, their, the, the excitement that they have and the things that they say and, um, um, the, the gifts that I get from them. Um, kindness kangaroo says kindness is giving a paper heart uh, in one part of the book, which was a kindergarten girl's idea. And so after I leave a lot of these classrooms, I'm showered with paper hearts, which I just think is like the best. I have them all on my wall. I just think it's like, you know, to me, it's like the best gift. So um, I think I get just as much out of it as they do. Wow. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> awesome. It is very awesome. <laughs> So what are the parents thinking about all this? Are they into it? Are they contacting you? A lot of them are. That's how I get into a lot of the classroom. Certain parents will invite, you know, they'll get me in contact with the teacher. And then that's how I get in there because these parents love the idea and want, you know, want to see it. Um, uh, I had one parent contact me because her child uh, was just diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, which is about having tics. And she wasn't sure how they were going to talk to the class about that. Um, I was contacted because my, my younger son had Tourette's as well. So she was trying to go, you know, hey, what did you do, right? And so I said, why don't I come into the class and we'll work on a book? So we worked on Timid Turtle, who was hiding in his shell because he was embarrassed by his tics. And the kids all gave me ideas about how they could help Timid come out and, um, you know, not worry about his tics and, you know, come out and play and not be embarrassed. And so these kids had all these ideas and I wrote the story and then they drew all the pictures. And then this little boy said to this class, hey, you know what, I have Tourette's. And they all said, wow, you're just like Timid Turtle. And so instead of having something wrong with him, he actually became the star of the show and so then I just thought, you know what, this is what this project is about, is to recognize that all children, you know, are the star. And so I think a lot of the parents appreciate that, you know, the kids that have uh, tics or dyslexia or, you know, anxiety issues, uh, you know, they're all um, recognized in these books as being just the same as all the other kids. So I think that's where the parents are really appreciating. Wow, it sounds like you're really making a difference in the world. So what would you say is the typical age group for the classrooms that you're going into? Most of them are kindergarten kids. Um, so there's a lot of drawings by four and five-year-olds. Um, I've gone as high as a grade five class. Uh, they did the yakety yak. And um, next week I'm booked into a life skills class. So it, their kids are of various ages, but they all have some learning differences that um, allow them not to be in the regular classrooms. Um, and then um, I'm also booked into a class that has um, a lot of uh, children with Down syndrome. So the ages are different, but their levels may be younger. Sure. So um, definitely one uh, kindergarten to grade three is our, is my, is the most. 
there's just the odd ones that have gone. Um, yesterday, I worked with a homeschool group, so those kids ranged from five to 13, I think. Um, so because it was just a group of kids that are homeschooled, so it's not a particular class, but, um, you know, I'm all for whatever kids want to participate. I'm, I'm game. (laughs) Yeah. So when you go into, let's say kindergarten, fifth grade, um, a classroom with, uh, children with down syndrome, do you notice the same level of enthusiasm that they each bring? Well, um, the kindergarten class are usually really excited, but I also go into class dressed as a kangaroo. So that gets them very excited because there's a giant kangaroo in their class. Um, and so they get, they're very excitable. The older kids at first are a little bit, yeah, you know, do we really want to deal with this? Then they get excited. Once they figure out what we're doing, they get a little bit more excited. And, um, I know when I did the book launch for kindness kangaroo and all the classes came and, Um, you could see the grade fives, you know, rolling their eyes a little bit. Did they really want to be there? This was for little kids. But then apparently when they went back to class and it was supposed to be tech time, they all gave up their tech and asked if they could write stories. Wow. So I figure even if they're rolling their eyes, they're still getting something out of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting. I know I when the teacher told me that I was like, that's like the best thing I've heard like this whole time. (laughs) to inspire kids to want to write rather than be on the computers to me was a a huge accomplishment. Yeah. So along those lines, have you heard any feedback from parents or teachers as to whether some of these kids have gone on to continue writing stories after uh, the program's done for them? Um, Yeah, there is a, there is a few that, um, you know, um, want to, you know, connect to, to share their stories. And, and, you know, I said to them, you know, anytime the kids want to talk about writing stories and stuff, you know, just send me emails. I'm fine with that. Um, so I, I occasionally I hear back. Um, there's not a lot of interact. Some of the schools are like, um, you know, three hour drive away. So it's not something I can check in on all the time. Um, but, uh, I do get, I do get emails about how excited the kids are on um, the grade five class. I send regular emails to update them on the process. You know, right now the, you know, the pages are being scanned in so we can, you know, put them in the book or right now we're going through an editing. And so they're keeping an eye on the whole process and they really appreciate the updates because they, that way they're learning how everything goes together. So we try to do things different ages. Sometimes the kindergarten class, you know, they'll forget by the time I've come back (laughs) what they were doing to start with, but then they see their pictures and they're all excited about it. Um, It it just depends on the age level. It it really does that, uh, you know, they want to draw and they want to write, but at kindergarten age, it's a, it's, that's a lot harder for them to, to materialize. Yeah. So what would you say is the most thing that you would like your, the kids to take away from your books? Well, I want, I want people to recognize that equality is, is, is everything that, you know, kids are kids and, you know, it doesn't matter if they struggle at math or if they have a limp or they wear glasses or whatever it is, they're just a bunch of kids and they all fit in the same category of kids. Um, and, um, I think in this world, we, we worry too much about differences. Uh, we compare ourselves too much and create differences. And I want kids just to understand that, you know, it's okay to be different because everybody is different. Everybody is different in their own way. And that just makes us all the same because we're all different. Does that make any sense? (laughs) 
Absolutely. We all I'm not have, sure it makes sense to a kindergarten class. <laughs> we all have our own unique gifts. And that's the thing. And, and by saying, you know, oh, well, this, this main character is a little nervous to come out of a shell because of his tics. Or this main character, you know, struggles with, with spelling and math because the, the letters don't look right. Um, or this main character, you know, has anxiety and doesn't, you know, is too scared to do things. And these kids can go, hey, that's just like me. But I think when we make characters that are, are kind of perfect or, or, you know, our good characters are just so good, sometimes kids have a hard time relating to them. And so I think it's nice to have ones that maybe do have some differences and, um, and acknowledge the kids it's okay to have these differences and it's okay to have these feelings. I just uh, finished writing Whining Rolris, um, and so Whining Rolris whines throughout the book, but at the end realizes that if you're, you know, use different words, it's, you actually things are, you're allowed to do more things. Um, and then, but it does say that occasionally he forgets and does whine, but then he remembers that better words could be used. It's not that we're all perfect. It doesn't mean that, oh, well, you have to learn to do it this way. You have to make sure you're using your manners all the time. You know, because we all make mistakes. We all forget. We all get lazy or whatever it is. It's just recognizing, hey, you could feel this way. Um, but remember, there's other options. You know, Victorious Bull uh, wants to win a race but has a limp and really struggles with winning and watches all his friends win and is happy for them but still feels a little sad because he can't win that trophy. It's okay to feel sad that you can't run. There's nothing wrong with that emotion. It doesn't make you bad because you have that emotion. It's just simply recognize that emotion, but there's a way to re respond to it. That's what I'm trying to get across. So it sounds like you have a whole menagerie full of characters. I do, yes. <laughs> I tried to vary them. Um, I picked animals because they're a little bit more relatable because they're not a specific skin color, hair color, you know, I mean, they do have a gender because it's much easier to write with a he or she. So we did have to create genders and only female kangaroos have pouches. So we had to definitely create kind of kangaroo as a female. Um, but uh, I, animals were the, sort of a little bit more relatable in that they weren't specific so that a child can't relate because, you know, it's a blonde hair instead of dark haired or whatever. Um, and then I tried to pick animals that... Um, weren't too much so I've changed a few animals along the way because we had too many big cats or we had not enough reptiles or so you know some of them changed along the way um, but yes we found it a um, for every letter of the alphabet we found an animal oh wow <laughs> and do you have any special way to kind of come up with the animal or do you just uh, kind of leave it to inspiration it, it, it really is a lot of inspiration and it is um, a lot of ideas that I might have will change by the, when I get to the class and ask them for ideas as well. Um, so yesterday with the homeschool class, we did sensitive sea lion and we we're talking about, you know, sensitivity to touch, to food, to sounds um, and to emotions. And um, so um, we had, uh, they thought that, so sensitive sea lion, because a lot of seals, most seals are born white with white fur. And so they decided that this one should be born with black fur. So it already starts out as a difference. And I thought that that was very creative of them. And I wasn't going to write sensitive sea lion that way, but now I will. <laughs> so sometimes my idea of the character changes just because of what the inspirations that come from the kids. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great way to kind of keep, keep it open and not, you know, let the kids kind of give their input and let it all, everyone kind of come together and uh, have the story be from everybody. Oh, yeah. And it's it, it's great when you read the story and they think, oh, that was my idea. I said that. And, you know, they realize that I was listening and I heard what they had to say and I used it as 
you know, part of my story. And, and I think that's empowering to them as well. Um, but it also, it, to me, it makes it fun to write the story because I don't know what the story is going to be like either until I start going. So, <laughs> you know, yakety yak had, likes to yodel, but I wouldn't probably have thought of that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know but what should a yak do but yodel? It makes complete sense to me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, pretty obvious after the fact. <laughs> I know, that's right. <laughs> That all sounds really great. Um, it sounds like you're really making a difference in the community. There's a lot of great things that seem to be spiraling from this, just a lot of enthusiasm from these kids and getting them involved and kind of sparking their imaginations. Mm-hmm, for sure. So the one thing I wanted to ask you is, what advice would you give the younger version of yourself who is just starting out as a writer? Um. I would say make time for it. Um, as I said, you know, I thought I'd have time. I got busy with my kids and, and, you know, there's always an excuse, but you know, I'm enjoying writing so much now that I wish I would have sort of kept up with it without creating excuses of, Oh, well, you know, I, I can't get this done if I do this. And, you know, maybe some things, you know, maybe the dishes could wait till the weekend or something. So you could sit down for half an hour and write something because I think I missed out on a lot of, that enjoyment that I could have had because I'm having so much fun with it now. I realize everything happens for a reason and in time when you're ready. Um, but I just think I would have, I think I missed out on a little bit of fun for that I could have had doing all the writing that I do. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. I think if we find, always find, you know, something more important. I mean, not to say anything about, about dads, but um, if you're the working dad, and there's stay-at-home mom, I think the mom will always find something to do other than what it is she wants to do. <laughs> and so I think we just sometimes have to go, you know what, I want to do this, so I'm going to take half an hour and go to, even if it is, you know what, you know, I'm going to go out to this coffee shop and just write for half an hour because, you know, you don't have the distractions of the dishes, the kids, or, or anything else. So. Yeah, it's funny how when you have the time, the, a lot of things just come in to fill it. So. Yes, exactly, yes. Getting that routine established uh, is definitely. Um, it is. It is important. And I read a book by uh, Stephen King um, on. It's called On Writing, and it was very uh, fascinating, actually, to, because um, he doesn't sound like that accomplished of a writer when you start reading it. I'm like, how did he get so good? Um, which is good because then you feel like, hey, there's hope for me yet because you know, you know, everybody knows who Stephen King is, but you know, he he didn't start off as an accomplished writer either. So, um, but he talks about, you know, having the routine and writing, um, you know, regularly so that you can sort of build up. It doesn't mean you publish everything you write. It doesn't mean everything you write is good. It just means you get practiced at writing so that when you do write something to publish, it's got a flow to it instead of fighting it to get it out. Absolutely. So Sandra, we're, uh, we're coming up on the half an hour here. And um, I wanted to ask you, was there anything else that we didn't talk about today that you'd like to talk about here on the podcast? Um, I think, um, I think a key thing would be uh, to support um, authors. Um, And there's different ways to do that. Um, What we try to do with our series is uh, we're collecting sponsors right now um, from different communities, uh, businesses uh, to help, provide books for the kids that are helping write them because, you know, printing books by myself is expensive. Um, and that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, you know, buying books, uh, reviewing books, 
uh, even just emailing the author or messaging the author on their website or their Facebook page and just saying how you appreciate the books. Because I think sometimes, you know, um, people just take it granted, oh, I've read this book and it was a good book, and then they put it back on their shelf or they give it to someone else to read. But the author themselves doesn't actually recognize or hear that. And I think that's what really helps me keep going is when people do say, hey, this is great. What a great idea. This is exciting. And then I stay excited and keep going. Um, but I, I, I know there's a lot of times where I don't, I'm not excited about something because you just don't get any feedback. So I think, you know, when you're talking to other writers or talking to parents about writers, I think supporting them, even if it's just with words, is so important. That is a really good point. Yeah, thank you very much for bringing that up. So, yeah, you know, you learn as you grow. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so, Sandra, where can uh, parents, teachers, children, uh, where can they find out more about your books in the uh, Kangaroo Project, Kindness Kangaroo Project? So, um, on my website, which is www.quiteacharacter, so it's just like it sounds, quiteacharacter.ca, because I am in Canada, um, and um, that uh, has the books on there. It also has a section called The Kindest Project, which keeps people updated on the schools and the book launches, and it has pictures of the illustrations that the kids have sent in and things like that, so you get a lot of information off there. Um, there's also a Facebook page, author Sandra Wilson. Um, and there's also a Facebook group called the Kindness Kangaroo Project where we talk about not just the project, but acts of kindness that we've witnessed or, you know, videos that show different aspects of kindness because we want people just to spread that as well. Yeah, that sounds all good. And um, we've also got your website linked up on the Creative Writing Magic website um, as well as our Twitter feed. So all awesome. of those links that you just described, um, the audience can find it there. Great. That's great. I appreciate that. Sure. Okay. So that's all the time we have for today. Sandra, thanks so much for being my first guest on the show. This was a lot oh, of fun. I had, yeah, I had a lot of fun too. And uh, thanks for stopping by today. All right. I appreciate what you do. Thanks. Okay. Okay. So that was Sandra Wilson of the Kindness Kangaroo Project. You can check out her links on the websites. And I also want to thank you, the listener. You make this all possible. If you like this podcast, feel free to support us on Patreon and consider subscribing. The link to Patreon is in the description. Also, if you're an aspiring writer and would like to learn more about writing coaching services and story outline coaching services, contact us on the Creative Writing Magic website. And be sure to subscribe to the email newsletter to receive notifications when new podcast episodes are available. And as always, thank you so much for listening, stay inquisitive, support the arts, and keep creating. Bye for now.